Welcome back to the Pickleball Studio Podcast. In today's episode, we are talking about our goals in pickleball, as well as how much we drill versus rec play, and then a bunch of various pickleball tips and tricks, things that we're trying that you might be able to implement into your game to improve. This is a pretty good episode, so we'll see you guys on the inside. All right, so for this podcast, we're going to try and add one small new element. There's like little things I want to experiment with on the podcast, and one thing I want to do is talk more about some pickleball-related news. Uh, We're actually recording this podcast right before Will leaves for like a 12-day vacation, and you guys aren't going to hear this until at least probably a week after we record (laughs) it. So there's a good chance that new news has come out since we recorded this. So if you're like, why are they talking about like kind of old things? That's why. Uh, and honestly, a lot of the big news that's happened recently, you have for sure all heard about. So we're kind of just talking about a story I heard and then some new paddles and uh, equipment on the market that I just think is interesting. And then uh, we're going to the get first... into stats. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. And then we're going to talk about some awesome pickleball Strats. stuff. Mm-hmm. Yes. So the first thing I want to talk about, and I'm curious what your opinion is on this, Will, is about eyewear. So on the Pickleball Forum on Facebook, there was a lady who made a post. Basically, she took a ball to the eye, and now she has lost all vision in her eye. Dang, uh, what? Like she, yeah, she'll literally just never see out of that eye again. And I like protective eyewear has been a topic in Pickleball for a long time. I've talked it about a decent amount. Most of you probably know about my former tennis eye injury, so I'm a little more sensitive to the topic. But I'm curious what you think about wearing eyewear, because after this post, I saw way, 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 way more people going by eyewear. Like, people were commenting, like, yeah, I never considered wearing it until I saw this post, and now I'm, like, worried about losing an eye. So, like, where do you Ooh. fall on the spectrum? Yeah, no. Um, I'm definitely in the camp who supports eyewear. I, I, I don't necessarily have pickleball like specific eyewear but when i go play outside i typically always wear sunglasses although when i play inside i don't have any eyewear so i might pick up something just to have in my bag and it makes sense as the game is getting faster and faster um you know i mean i've had close calls as well even if i dodge it or i block it you never know what's going to happen like if somebody mishits it like your partner mishits it and it bounces back you know you never know and that ball i've actually been hit twice in the face because of that yeah literally like it we were actually playing indoors too yeah they just deflected off their paddle i wasn't ready for it and just like slapped me in the face yeah and it's it's scary like uh the the ball is a hard plastic so if it hits your eye it's like i mean if anything hits your eye even too yeah it's rough too so i mean i was thinking like if it was a racquetball like a tennis ball like it wouldn't be as bad but no they're they're all equally just as bad but i'm just imagining hard plastic hitting my eye would just suck so much more. Oh, I mean, I've heard so many stories. Even if someone didn't fully lose vision, yeah, like their retina got pretty messed up just mm-hmm. because, again, it's a rough ball. Like people, I think pickleball is deceptive because it's a plastic ball. People think like, oh, well, like it doesn't hurt that bad. Like I played other sports where the ball hurt way more. But how many sports are you playing where you are consistently 14 feet or less away from your opponent, right? Because mm-hmm. you're like leaning into the kitchen, reaching for shots. There's right. not many sports where you're that close engaging in like a fast a ball. And, you know, when you're that close and someone's like driving it or like a speed up, up, you're probably you. talking like at least 30 miles an hour, 
maybe more if it's like an overhead or like a big yeah. drive or something. So 30, only thirty. I feel like it would probably be more. I mean, if, it, it probably is, but I'm I'm going like on the super conservative side. Okay. So that someone's not like, well, actually, the the wind drag on a pickleball, because <laughs> <laughs> okay. you know someone's gonna do it. But yeah, yeah, I I would definitely say like it's just worth it wearing eyewear. To me, it's not yeah worth not having a, something in front of my face that could literally alter my entire life. Yeah, no, for real. Uh, pick up some eyewear. I think I think you're right. Um, after hearing well, that story, I'm gonna go pick something. Up what for was the play? What were the sunglasses that you liked? Oh, okay. So when I was at MLP, uh, the sponsor of that event was like Knock Around Sunglasses. I think I've heard of them before. They've been around, but they their target demographic is for like beachgoers and like surfers, um, people who do a lot of water sports. And they're just really affordable. I think all their pairs are like maybe 30 bucks or less. And they're just, they're actually like really well built and they're polarized just very well. And I've had a lot of expensive eyewear in the past, like Costas, Ray-Bans, et cetera. Uh, but these are on par with them, if not like maybe even a little bit better in my opinion. And after I put them on, on like the second day or the third day of statting, I was like, well, how did I not do this earlier? I just, just seeing the ball is just so much better. So, I mean, if you want to check them out, like knock arounds, knock around sunglasses, um, Highly recommend. Yeah, definitely. And I've tried quite a few eyewear at this point. So I have tried some like cheap 3M protective eyewear on Amazon. And that actually wasn't bad. It was like $4. And I thought it worked pretty well. Like it looks goofy on the court in my opinion. But I didn't really feel like I had fogging issues with it. I don't think they would last you super long to be honest. But at 4 bucks, like if they break or get yeah, a scratch, you're like, not. it's 4 bucks. You replace it. Right, exactly. I, tr- I tried a $13 pair of head protective eyewear. Pure garbage. Don't buy it. <laughs> I, it's, honestly, they fogged all the time. Sweat got on them. They were, the nose piece mm-hmm. doesn't really exist. So like it's like pressing right up against your face. And it's just like, those were like $13. Terrible. Gearbox for $40. In my opinion, that's what I'd pick. If you were like, I need to pick some protective eyewear. They have like tinted ones, clear ones, yellow ones, blue ones. Mm. Like they've got it all. People use them for racquetball. If it'll protect you from a racquetball, I think you'll be completely fine with a pickleball. I've used those actually very extensively. Uh, Before I got Rhea eyewear, that's what I was using. Now I have some Rhea eyewear. And if you're looking to get something really nice, I've, I've really enjoyed them so far. I don't know... I've never been a big sunglasses guy, so I don't know a lot about them. But I really like how the Rhea eyewears hmm. feel. The only thing I'll say is I wear a hat all the time these days, and the band on the side is like a little thick. And sometimes I have to like raise my hat up a little higher on my head than I'm used to because the my hat will like squish the band into my ear, and that doesn't feel great. Oh yeah, it's uncomfortable. So maybe just be aware of that. Yeah, hmm. but uh, that's what I wear all the time now. I think the polarization is a little better. But yeah, it's like $200 versus $40. So if, like, if you're just looking for basic eyewear, Gearbox is my recommendation. And obviously yeah, what something. Will recommended sounds great. People do all sorts of things. Like yeah, they'll buy lenses. Have. Yeah, like something's better than nothing. Yeah, something <laughs> to just put over your face, you'll be all right. You know, if you have something over your face, you know, be safe, you know, especially if you're yep. playing with somebody who's just wailing the ball at you. Dude, today, literally when I was playing pickleball, I got hit so many times. Mm. I... <laughs> First time I've been hit in a 
very not ideal area was a direct <laughs> hit. That was not super fun. Uh, it could have been worse, but it wasn't great. Uh, then someone, I can't remember if they hit my head or if it like hit my arm, but basically I got hit at least four times. And I was oh. like, so here's, this kind of leads into the next thing I was going to talk about, yeah. which was some new paddles. But so my buddy, he hadn't hit the power air yet. He picked up the power air today and he's like, oh my gosh, driving the ball is so fun again. So like <laughs> the whole time we're playing, he's just pounding everything. It's like it's shots you wouldn't speed up and then he's just like, boom. And you're like, I was not ready for that. And then mm. you just get pelted. Did so, you get hit in the throat though like James Ignatowicz did in that last <laughs> clip? Have y'all seen that out there? Have yeah. you, you saw that, right? I, I saw it, yeah. It was, that it would was, hurt. Yeah, it was, it was uh, who was it? Brandon French. Brandon French like just nailed James Ignatowicz like in it looks like in the throat or like in the chest like right above the chest and you can hear Roth in the background was like did did it hit your chest you know and it just looked like it hurt and I heard the video doesn't do it justice and well you got to tell us the justice okay so it was no it was just so fast and so I heard from an insider the backstory behind that little event and what happened was, I think in a previous match, maybe it was against Rafa, it was James Ignatius against Rafa, and then Rafa, or somebody else, maybe it was someone on Rafa's team, sped up the ball at James, and he tried dodging it because it was going out, but it like nicked his shirt or something like that, and uh, James would admit to it hitting him. He, he was like, nope, I didn't touch it, and then when they asked the ref, the ref was like, nope, that's out, or whatever, and I think Rafa and whoever else was maybe a little upset about that, a little salty about that. So in the next match, like Brandon French saw an opportunity. It bounced like, you know, high enough and he sped it and he just wailed like right at James. And that's what caught him in the throat. And then you can hear Roth in the background. Did that hit your chest? You know, cause he was real salty <laughs> about that. And I don't know. I thought that was kind of funny. I think stuff like that is kind of funny. I feel like generally I'm not, I don't like love that mentality in sports, but that type of thing, it feels like ju sweet oh, justice. Sweet justice. That's right. Revenge. Especially if it did actually clip him. Yeah. If it did clip him. I mean, I couldn't say, like I said, this is just uh, hearsay. I can neither confirm nor deny, but that is, that is a word on the streets. That's what we've heard. So yeah, that was uh that was an interesting thing to see. It's always fun seeing a little bit of drama in yeah. the pro scene. All right. Uh, but Pretty much beyond that, the only other news really have is just some new paddles coming out because... Oh, give me the deets, please. New paddles are always endless, um, <laughs> but <laughs> literally endless. The carbon 14 millimeter got announced. That'll be kind of interesting. My guess is it's literally just going to be exactly what the carbons have been, but 14 millimeter. I mm -hmm. haven't confirmed that that's exactly the case, but that's kind of my hunch. So you'll have kind of a blend of a 13, a 16 millimeter. Some companies are starting to dabble with that. So yeah, we'll see if that's interesting, if a lot of people start gravitating towards that. But the one that I thought was really interesting was the new Pro Kenex that is coming out. There's not a lot of info yet. They literally just teased a picture. I've seen it. But the yeah, orange. it's interesting, right? With the orange. Yeah, well, first of all, like it looks string. like a bowling lane. Did you see yes, that? Yes, it looks like a bowling lane. Yes, looks like a bowling lane. It looks like a runway. Yeah, like, yeah. Like airplanes, I'm like, <laughs> beep, beep, beep. It, it's you know, going to get called like the, the bowling alley paddle or something. <laughs> like it, for sure, that's how it's going to get pegged. <sighs> but what's interesting is, I don't think it's actual strings, but they're like calling it strings 
in the paddle or whatever. Basically, there's just these raised bumps that go all like vertically up and down the paddle. Like it goes all the way up and down. And then, you know, there's like gaps in between for the rest of the paddle. But they're just saying that it'll help grab the ball more and get pretty ridiculous spin. Uh, we'll obviously, when I get the paddle, we'll see if that's actually true. Is that but, legal? Yeah, so, I, you know, I did wonder because Ooh. those bumps are pretty big. I'm not going to lie. Like in the picture, they look pretty raised. So it just makes you wonder how they kind of convinced USAP or how they skirted around that or if they're right at the limit or what the deal is. But yeah, I don't know. Do it feels even, like everyone's always pushing it. Yeah. How do you even like test that if like the bumps are that high? It's like when the ridge right. be like super read a super deep on their little star. star yeah. The star or whatever. What, yeah. Right. So that's kind of weird, but I, I'm, I'm excited for it because I think, you know, we see so many, the same thing over and over that it's like, it's cool when someone does something new and mm -hmm. I try and always give companies like the benefit of the doubt where it's like, okay, I don't want to just assume this is a gimmick until we actually know, right? Like this actually seems interesting. I don't even think this is a gimmick because Pro Kenix already gets quite good spin in my spin test. So mm -hmm. Anything that'll further that will be really interesting. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, other than that, the only other new thing I've been hearing a lot about is the Oso Fury Ball. Uh, there's always lots of balls coming out. Always balls of Fury. To be. <laughs> yeah. Come on. I knew you were. I knew you were gonna say it too. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> I'm gonna start like writing down little predictions and then flip my note over and be like, I knew you'd say that. <laughs> but. Uh, you know, everyone always makes claims about when their new ball comes out. Like, it's the fastest, most unbreakable. In cold weather, it can't break. In hot weather, it doesn't get nah. soft. Yeah, you know, everyone says that. But I've been seeing quite a few reviews online that seem like they're from normal people and not paid-off people. Uh, and I'm hearing a lot of great things. So I'm hopefully going to pick some of those up at some point and test them out. Because essentially, it's supposed to be a Dura competitor is what it's supposed to be. Have now, you played? Wait, have you played with the Selkirk ball? I haven't played the with Selkirk. That one. It's pretty good. I, I actually like. Oh really? I've only yeah. heard negative things. <laughs> I actually enjoy it. Like it's not that bad. I think it sits somewhere between the Franklin and the Dura, in my opinion. Sure. But I feel sure. like it gets warmer pretty quick, but I okay. I didn't mind it. I didn't mind it. Sure. Yeah, I I'll have to hit it. I just I had a couple people last year that hit it, and they like they just said they hated it. Um, but yeah, I'm curious about these Oso Fury balls. The one thing that's interesting is even if it plays like a Dura, here's the thing. It's going to have to not break like a Dura if it wants to win people over because the ball is a little bit more expensive than a Dura. Oh, it was, okay. it was like over $3 instead of $3 and already at $3 a ball. I'm like, these break way too often for me to pay more. So mm -hmm. if it doesn't perform as well as a Dura and it still breaks, somewhat frequently then it's like mm. Mm. but we'll see uh, that's just something I heard about that I think will be interesting uh, in the future we'll probably have more in-depth or the idea will be to have more in-depth news but that's uh, that's what we got for this last second podcast right here okay okay, okay. so moving, uh, on. moving on here I want to talk a lot about just so I put out some polls on Instagram. Thank you to everyone who responded to them. Yes, I wanted to know how many podcasts you guys listen to, what topics you like, and uh, the overwhelming majority of you said you want pickleball tips. You didn't seem to care that much about all, all the other stuff. Was basically equal. It was like seventeen percent, seventeen percent, seventeen percent, forty-seven percent was pickleball tips. It's, it's last I saw the poll, it was something like that. So 
Uh, we're going to talk about what we do to improve at pickleball, uh, our goals, and then we're uh, later in the episode just going to talk about tips and things we're working on. So yeah, tips let's dive into it. Yes, sir. Uh, we'll start with our goals. Uh, you want to kick us off and tell me kind of what your overall goals for uh, being a pickleball player are? Ooh, I mean, obviously just to be the best player I can be, uh, as corny as that sounds. Um, I do have a little bit of aspirations to at least compete at the pro level, like to be able to kind of get up there. I just want to compete at a few uh, pro brackets. I, I do plan on signing up for at least one pro bracket by the end of 2022. That was my goal this year was to first play 5-0, see how that goes, and then to play uh, pro um, or just play in a pro bracket. So no matter what, like let's say it's December, because I mean, we're getting kind of close to the end of 2022 yeah. here. If it's December, are you just like signing up for a tournament and doing it? Like no yeah. matter what, like if no nothing what. changes. Yeah, if nothing changes. I, I actually think it'll be at the Texas Open uh, in November okay. that I'll probably play pro at least I'll, I'll try and play pro i oh, still i guess though it'll be interesting though because i'm just thinking how you get in i don't know how right. strict ppa is but app you have to have at least a 5-0 utpr and i think they'll forego that if not enough people register for the pro event yeah i'm not sure how it goes like i said i'm just gonna do my best to try and see but i'm not i'm not you know, I'm not pressed about it. I'm going to be playing 5-0. Yeah, yeah. At, it's just something you'd like to do. Right, exactly. I'm going to play 5-0 at the APP Atlanta. Hopefully I do well in that. Maybe that raises my my ranking or what's called my uh, my rating high enough so that I can play. Who knows? I, I, I honestly have not looked into it all too much. I'm kind of just going with the flow, enjoying the process. And I'm just, like I said, trying to be the best player I can be and just trying to improve. Um, I think just... Improving for the sake of improving gives me a lot of personal satisfaction. Uh, do I want to, yeah. you know, have good games? Of course. Do I want to compete at the highest level or compete against the best people I can? Of course. But that's second nature to me, just enjoying the process and having fun, being able to play and compete against, even in rec plays against like really good players. Um, yeah. So that's kind of my goal uh, right now. I did kind of have, when I first started to have aspirations to try and really play pro, but then I'm, I'm at that point right now where i'm kind of i wouldn't say plateauing but like to get to the next level i have to really put in a lot of work and discipline yeah. to, to really make it and it's it's tough like the field is getting so wide the talent pool is just getting so large and people have time and they have a lot more advantages you know like yeah. you know people are like the pros are moving to austin or they're in naples florida they play with each other and that's just not it's such a huge gap like a huge disadvantage like for me, like, you know, and plus I'm a little bit older now too. Like I'm 34 and I feel like that window of opportunity is very slim for me right now. And I don't know if I just want to hey, put in that effort. You start training for senior pro. You've got a head start <laughs> for senior pro. Uh, some people have asked me, say, Hey, Will, when do you turn 35? You know, they're trying to like, you know, I'm like the, you know, the, <laughs> yeah, you're the one ever, everyone's trying to court you into playing with them in the 35 plus bracket. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll have to bring my birth certificate around to, you know, prove Yeah, seriously, they're going to be like, this guy's plus. not 35. <laughs> right, exactly. So, yeah, those are kind of my goals right there. What about you? Yeah, I mean, honestly, mine are very similar. Like, I've always been an extremely competitive person, obviously Super having, like, the so extensive... Com <laughs> Will knows. I'm literally... I'm, like, competitive, 
for the sake of being competitive. Like if you, it, it literally doesn't matter what it is. If you like literally just came up to me and you were like, dude, I bet I could run to that light post faster than you. I'd be like, <laughs> I, absolutely not. You can't. Yeah. And then we'll go do the thing. And like, it just, I'm super competitive. So <laughs> that's why I, I've really loved getting into pickleball is I feel like I've gotten to bring out that competitive yeah. side need of me that. again. Yeah. Yeah. So this feeds it really well. Like I would, I would love to play in pro events, but I think the reality that I understand is as long as I am a big content creator in pickleball, yeah. Playing pro, like being a true pro. Right, a true pro is not feasible. Like I don't I would have to drop the content creation and just train if I wanted to be like a competitive pro. Like I think it would be cool mm-hmm. if I could go to a pro event and like win a couple matches, like maybe I go 2 and 2 one and two or something. Yeah. I think that would be really cool. But I'm also not ignorant to the fact of like, like you said, the, the pool of talent is getting way bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, but let's say, let's say I was trying to play a pro event next year, which I think would be a, a very generous and fast timeline for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's another year of people getting really good. And let's say it didn't happen that year. And I had to wait another year. Yeah. Well, two years from now, the game's going to change a lot. So right. mm-hmm. I, I don't really know what that reality is going to look like, but I do know that I want to like get as good of a pickleball player as I can just because I think it, it helps in a lot of things, right? Like eventually I would like to do more teaching about like teaching people how to get better at pickleball, like instead of just reviewing paddles. And I think as I get better as a player, that also helps with paddle reviews. So it's just like there's always a, a general desire to get better at pickleball and like if I could somehow get into playing pro events, I think that would be super legit. But I think it would also cause a very big career shift in pickleball for me. Yeah. Yeah, no. Um I mean, you're totally right. I mean, I went to MLP, I know you've been to some pro events and I mean watching it on I don't know, YouTube or watching it on TV is just not the same as seeing it in person. And these players are just so good. They're so fast and like watching it on YouTube or whatever is it just doesn't do it. Justice. Oh, it doesn't even do it remotely close yeah. to justice. That's why everyone thinks everything online looks way easier than it is in person. It's that it's why you have we need to coin a term for this what? at some point, by the way. Uh-huh. But the effect of like when people are watching it, like people say, like, oh, this is 5 0 gameplay, and people are like, bruh, that's <laughs> <clears throat> That's uh, actually 3.125 gameplay. <laughs> like, I, I know 4-0s in my town, and uh, let me they tell you, crush them. buddy. Yeah, they would they would crush them. Like, they wouldn't even, they they don't even know how to dink in this video. You, you see that? They missed a third shot drop. They suck. Like, yeah. it just, I, I, in video, people really, they should film themselves. Honestly, if you're watching this, mm-hmm. and you're one of those people that, like, says this about videos online, you should record yourself playing the game and post it because I assure you, you do not look as cool as you think. I right. uh, I have watched uh, honestly probably well over a hundred hours of me playing this game at this point, and you do not look that cool when you play the game. Nope. <laughs> have you seen your face? I've seen your brother taking photos of your face. It's, it's, I it's almost bad, sent real you bad. a screenshot today of one. I was hitting an overhead, and my face was just like. <laughs> it was just so, it was it was so bad. No, we all we all look we all look ridiculous. Nobody looks like that cool. Like even the pros are like, oh, like yeah. You know, so squinching. like even 
That's why I think when people get into the sport and they're like, oh, the pros don't like look that good. Like it's no, like, yeah, good. it's because it's on camera and like the way it's being filmed right now doesn't do it justice. Go to an event. It'll look pretty insane. I assure you. <laughs> yeah, no, they're, they're good. Like in, in ways you just don't understand, you know, that they're good. I think, I think Adam Stone said it best. He compares, uh, pickleball to like poker, like Texas Hold'em. Mm. You know, kind of, mm. you can you can learn it, right? Mm -hmm. Easy to learn. You can play. You can have fun, but it's really hard to master. Like just because you know you picked it up, you're, you're not going to go be winning the you know world poker tour bracelet. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Like, yeah, that's what pickleball kind of is, and you won't experience it until you play against somebody really good, like a real pro, and you just get decimated. You know, yeah. it's they, they, there's something innate or intuitive that they understand they know that you just don't or have a tough time fathoming or comprehending you know yep and i mean that's a good way to go into like what we do and what we think the pros do to improve their game so i mean yeah I've heard some about what you do what do you, what do, you do to uh, improve your game or what's your kind of process or thought process about it well so like one quarter step behind that i want to know how much do you drill versus just like just play rec games Ooh, okay. So as of late, um, I actually haven't been playing nearly as much as I would like, but I would say it is right now 75% rec play and then 25% yep. drilling. But also it's it's tough because my main drilling partner, which was my buddy James, um, he's a pickleball coach, but he had to pick up, I guess, like a job just because we don't have... Um, the greatest indoor facilities here and so you know he's like i need income during the winter and so he kind of uh has stopped teaching to go manage a restaurant and then you know i'm out traveling and and whatnot trying to make contests so it's really tough for me uh yeah. I'm, unlike you you have your, your brothers and like <laughs> i really great i am extremely there. blessed not only my siblings who are pretty much always willing to drill at basically any hour that i would like to drill yeah, uh, 5 a.m., no do, problem. We just, actually, here's a serious thing. I have too many people that ask to drill. Like, and it's it's not a bad thing at all. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. But wow. I'll be must working. Be nice. Like, today, I, yeah, it must be nice. I was editing the Omega Max review today, and I had someone text me, and they were like, can you drill? And I was like, oh, man. Like, I would really love to, but, like, I have to work. I have to get this thing done. And that happens a lot. So to any of you who ask me to drill here, I would I would seriously love to drill, but sometimes I just have to get some videos out Sorry, I'm too big, you know, too big name, I ain't got time <laughs> no, for you, you know. No. I'll put you, I'll pencil you in into my busy schedule the next after the 008 secret paddle review that I'm checking out right now. It's okay. You, I'm sorry. You can't tell them the 008 exists yet. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. I don't know anything about the 008. <laughs> but for, for me, it it goes in different phases. So with the Atlanta tournament coming up, I'm trying to switch it to more like 50-50 uh, drilling and uh, rec play. We'll see if that actually happens. Um, and even when I'm playing rec games right now, I'm trying to be very focused mm -hmm. on working on a specific thing. Yes. So like, like today, yeah, play with a purpose. Like I'm not just playing to win. Like even if I lose, but I accomplished what I was trying to do, it's then I'm day. happy with that. Okay. Yeah, so like yeah. today when I went out, there were two main things I wanted to work on. 
Well, maybe a couple, I guess. Uh, generally, if you can pick one or two things, I think that's the best way to go. If you try and do too many, I don't think you'll do any of them particularly well, especially if they're in different categories. But for me, the big one is just make less unforced errors because as I watch, uh, I have to watch a lot of my own footage for these reviews to get the highlight gameplays. And typically a highlight ends up being where someone hits a winner. Like, you know, you have a, a good handful of balls hit and then there's a nice winner hit. I cannot tell you the amount of points that do not end in a winner or and just end in an out ball, uh, a ball hit into the net, or just like something unexciting. It's a lot at 4-0. So my whole thing after so seeing much. this is like, if you literally just made less mistakes, like even if you popped it up a little bit, mm-hmm. that is better than hitting it into the net. If you hit it into the net, you have a 0% chance of winning the point. If you pop it up a little bit, you still, they could hit it long. They could hit it out. They could miss. Like, you just don't know. So, you like, it's better know. to, yeah. To keep like that just, opportunity open. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I feel so, you. my whole thing has been be more consistent. Like, dinking. Like, let's let's sit in the dinking longer. Like, maybe I would like to attack something, but I'm going to sit and dink just a little bit longer because maybe I can outdink you and you'll make the mistake first. And then higher percentage shots. I love to speed up on things I probably shouldn't speed up on. I love to do the Kyle Yates all the time in times <laughs> where I definitely shouldn't do it. And I'm just realizing, like, these mistakes cost you, a, like, over a couple of games, they cost you a lot of points that if you just tried to stay in it longer, maybe they would have made the mistake. Yeah. So that's been a big thing for me. Yeah, that's why you're, uh, you know, the internet says you're 3-5 at best. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I I swear, I you know what's going to happen, right? Let's what? just hypothetically say, like, I go to my first pro event and, like, I'm big-ish in pickleball. Like, let's say it's a couple years from now and it's like... Like, ideally, I'm a relevant content creator still. Oh, wow. This but guy's like, giving himself I, a lot of credit right now. <laughs> no, no, no. I said, I hope I'm still relevant. I didn't say I will still be relevant. Oh, but okay. I'm, <laughs> I I don't even want to say this now because I feel like I'm totally going to get, get oh, roasted. Gonna, but yeah, heck yeah. I, I'm just saying, like, I win my first pro match. I'm uh-huh. in the post interview. Oh. And they're like, <laughs> and they're like, <laughs> The internet wants to know how a 3-5 got into this pro bracket. Like, this meme is never going to escape me. No matter how good I get, people are probably always going to call me a 3-5. Like, I can name it. I can think of at least four people right now mm-hmm. who are going to do that. Yep. You probably being one of them. Oh, for sure. You already know it. You already know it. Oh, my gosh. Well, back back to what you were saying, um, you know, about dinking and being more consistent. I think uh, I mentioned this before. I think it was on our our first episode, like the differences between, you know, 4045, 50. So 40 below, just to reiterate for you guys out there, um, 40 and below, whoever makes the most mistakes loses. You know, that's just unforced errors. Hitting to the net, hitting it out, not getting your serve in, not getting your return in. At 45, it's whoever can capitalize on the most mistakes wins. Okay. And then at 50 plus, it's whoever can create their own opportunities. There's they're the ones that win. And then the pro level, you have a little something extra on top. Like you either have incre- like crazy athleticism. Um, you are born with gifts. Like, you know, it doesn't matter how hard I, I train. I'm never going to have the reach of like Deckel Bar. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's just impossible, right? Um, or you have like massive amounts of experience, you know, like, um, you know, Simone Jardim or like Ben Johns, right? Or you have kind of like the competitive hype edge like 
Tyson McGuffin or uh, yeah. Julian Arnold, Annalee Waters. Like, you know what I'm saying? Those are some of the things that are the intangibles that you need to become pro. You need to have that drive. And that's why when I take a step back and I think about me trying to become pro or at least compete in the pro, I'm like, okay, I, I don't know if I have these things and these things are really hard to get or they're really hard to train or they're really hard to compensate otherwise, unless you just play a massive amount and, you know, you need to be part of an environment or with a group of people who are, you know, with the same kind of goals or with that a yeah. similar skill level and potential that you got that, that you can train with, you know? So, yep. Yeah. I also think, and this is something that, um, I mean, maybe you don't necessarily, well, no, I think you do have to sacrifice it a little bit. I think if you go that far, you have to sacrifice certain things in pickleball, right? Like, there are going to be friends who, like, you just have that really enjoy rec play, they just love hanging out, mm-hmm. and I think when you drill, you, ha- you have to, sa- or w- if you want to go to the pro level, you have to sacrifice some of those things, right? Like, if you really yeah. want to compete, you- you're basically done with rec play, essentially. You go to, I'm going to drill maybe once or twice a day, and then I'm going to set up like specific matches in the week. Right. And, you and know, that's maybe your rec you. Game. Yeah. And, that, and then that's your rec game. That's your so rec game. I think things like that are difficult because even right now, uh, with me training more frequently, I'll be at the courts and like people will show up and be like, oh, hey, like you want to yeah. play some games? Play and it? I'm like, ah, I'm sorry. Like I'm just here to drill today. And I really hate saying that because I, it makes me feel like a jerk and I'm not. I'm not, it's not because I don't want to play with people, but it's like, I have this thing coming up that I really want to do well in. So I'm really just here to train for mm-hmm. that today. You know what yeah. I mean? So I, I think some of those sacrifices are more or less worth it for some people, depending on your goals. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you just kind of have to be okay with that. Yeah. yeah. You uh, just do you have, focused. do you have a favorite thing you like to drill? Um, yeah. Uh, I will tell you, I guess in a second, but like before, like we go into the drills and the strategies yeah. and whatnot. Like I want to give you kind of just how I see the game, right? Yeah. And how I kind of like frame my game or how I just, you know, analyze like my own game. And so the first thing I think most players and, and new players coming to the sport should understand is that there is um, phases in the game. There is neutral, there's defense, and then there's offense, Right. And like at the beginning of the game, serving and returning, that's a pretty neutral part of the game. Nobody is on the offense or defense, but it quickly changes. And I think most players don't understand when they're in defense or when they're in offense and how to switch between the phases. Like when you're dinking cross court for a while and you're just going, you know, rally to rally, you know, dink to dink, and you feel like you can go forever, like you're in the neutral phase, right? Then somebody tries to speed it up or whatnot. So they're going to the attack. So you're in the, you know, the offensive phase, Right. But if you don't have a good enough attack, then immediately someone else is, you know, smacking it back at you, or whatever. And then you become like, you know, you're on the defense now. Right. And I think a lot of lower level players, they try to go from defense to offense. Right. And they don't go back to neutral. And I think what separates like good players from the really, really great players is that they know what phase they're in and the best of the best can go from defense to offense and make it look easy. Whereas most of us need to be able to like neutralize the point and go back into the neutral. It may be boring. It may not be exciting, but you know, you have to understand that. And I think once you kind of understand this concept, you can then, how would I say, extend your range, right? Like the, the, 
the positions that you feel like you're in the defense or that you're in the offense or that you're in neutral just becomes wider like the gap between them become wider and so you have more options and that's why like if you learn different shots right like if you have a a backhand roll right a roll volley like that you just increased your offensive capabilities right yeah and you know and if you have let's say like a really good third shot drop you know or a good reset then you've increased your neutral capabilities right so you look at the game like this like what phase do you find yourself most in then you can kind of decide on what drills would help you most what shots you should really drill and learn so that you can get out of those phases and create opportunities for yourself to you know win more rallies and win more points well see it's funny you say that because one of the things i have been working on actually specifically today is probably the most i've really worked on it is it goes hand in hand with making less uh, unforced errors, but I just wanted to be really good at reset, like being in defense mode and just like blocking things back, getting it into the kitchen. I don't care how many shots it takes me to get up, like just keep dropping it in the kitchen and then like work my way up. And what I found today is points where I was literally like, I wish I really wish I had been recording today because it probably mm-hmm. would have made such a great video. The amount of times that they ended up just making an error trying to overcompensate because they're so frustrated that the yeah, ball that keeps coming back. It. Yeah. Yeah. Like it literally, I wasn't even, do, you know, sometimes I just like lob it back up so they could smash it again. And thankfully, like I'm just quick so like I can get to a lot of balls. But it was just like, oh, scoop this out with a two handed backhand, like try and slice this back and drop it. And eventually they just make a mistake. And honestly, I think most people view defense as pretty boring. But I honestly find it extremely exciting when someone's just like blasting balls at me and I'm like, boom, drop, boom, drop. Yeah. Now I'm at the kitchen and let's dink <laughs> and like work the point out from here. You not pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally, <laughs> you feel like a wall. It's like you're not going to get past me. And I think today was probably the best I've ever felt at doing it. So that mm-hmm. was that felt really good. So all that to say, I agree with like what you're saying. I think people like knowing the phases you're in and what you should be doing because when I was when I was below 4-0, and I'm still not perfect, I still make mistakes, but I'm more aware of them, is I would, you'd be like on a fadeaway, like you're out of position, like fading away backwards, and you're like, I'm just going to drive this ball from the baseline. And then they just like whip it at your partner who's also way out of position. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep, yep. No, I know exactly what you mean. I, I think like if you are a, you know, even at like higher levels, like 4-5, you know, maybe even 5-0, I think if you're on the defense the safest and most consistent thing you can do is really just to like, you know, uh, get back, right? If, if it, like you popped it up, right? Move back, stand your ground, get your paddle like closest to the ground as possible, bend your legs, and then try and just make contact with the ball and just lift with your legs to get it yep. up high and over. Because like the ball is not moving especially in doubles, the ball is not moving so fast, at least most of the time that you can't get a paddle on it. And if you just keep on lifting and lifting and just getting it over, one of those shots will be a good drop. It'll drop in the kitchen and yeah. then you'll be back in the game. You'll neutralize it and you can come in and then you work yourself in again, right? When they're smashing at you and you're trying to do too much, you're trying to hit it back or swipe back at it or slice it back, you know, those is, that, that's what causes uh, the mistakes. And then like you said, if they get frustrated, they'll try hit harder and harder to try to do more and they might mess up. And so, yeah, just keep it simple. Like get back there, bend your legs and then, you know, lift, you know, like, uh, like I said, it's just, you know, push the ball or lift the ball. Those are one of the two things I think of when I can receive a shot. 
Also, a really big thing, I saw uh, someone on a forum mention this. I don't remember which one. There's so many. But it talked. they talked about, it was for dinking, and it was basically saying, look how little, I think it was about Brandon French, but basically he was doing a dink. Super underrated he was like, player, in my opinion. Brandon yeah, French is a beast. <laughs> that's what I'm hearing. But uh, it basically was just a gif of him doing a dink. And it was like, look how much shoulder he's using. Like, his wrist and arm are locked. He's not doing this giant swing, like he's literally just lifting with his shoulder and he gets the ball in. And so I've been trying to work on uh, compacting some of my movements because I do have some that are really exaggerated and I I just move way too much. But even like on my resets when I'm being attacked, it's like, okay, I'm just going to like kind of lock my arm and wrist and literally just kind of like lift or push. It doesn't have to be this huge exaggerated thing. The ball's coming so fast if they're attacking you, that you really don't have to do much to get the ball back in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. So that I think that's a big thing. It's just like work on using more of your shoulder and like less of your wrist and arm. Like you don't have to like flail your whole arm around. Right. It's uh, one of the, I would say like the core concepts to get a ball back in place. So for me, I think of it in almost like four parts. So typically when I'm about to do a shot, I try to obviously have my legs bent. I try to have my torso rotated, right? And then I try to have my shoulders like pulled back or locked like and loaded, right? And then I have my wrist. So now basically I have a couple ways to get the ball over the net. I have my legs to help with movement. Then I have the rotation of my body. Then I have my shoulder. And then lastly, I have my wrist. So those are like four points. Like if I'm out of position or whatnot, like that I have options to get the ball back into play right so if you're just using a lot of wrist which is you know the smallest muscle group out of those four you're not going to have great you know control and then you can't do like any deception after that right you're you're limited in your options and in your movement so the more options that you have and the larger muscle groups that you use that's what's going to help you you know i guess take to the next level and and be kind of uh fluid and and it's going to make your game like look effortless, you know? And that's why I think a lot of the pros and really good players, like they make it look so easy, you know, they have so many options and ways to get the ball back over the net. And I think, you know, if you start thinking about that in your different body parts and like what they can do, it's really going to help you. No, definitely. Also pop a little, uh, thing I just came up with. I'd like to know if you could pay a thousand dollars, uh-huh. To have any one pickleball skill, like your physical genetic makeup doesn't change, but like you could acquire one shot, Ooh. what would it be? I know exactly what my answer would be. Okay. So it's funny that it, it's for me, it's actually not a shot. The, the one skill, okay. the one skill that I would pick, right, is always letting out balls go out. Oh, okay. Okay. That's Let's the one skill I would pick. To a shot. To a shot. Okay. Just because if you could always know an all ball is going out, that's almost like like it's, psychic or something. It's psychic. No, that's like that's so good. Yeah, I, yeah, I, no, I it's gotta so be like it's gotta be like human level. Okay. All right. The one shot. Oh man. What would I pick? Uh I You bet you better not steal my shot. I'll be this, so angry. Your if you shot? Steal my shot. Okay. Wait, let me guess what your shot is. Is your shot the the scoop, the backhand like like cocked wrist scoop that like ben johns or dj Young dang does? it that is <laughs> i knew yeah. it i knew it though no, it's a super cool literally shot. so me and patrick have been practicing it when we drill a little bit yeah. patrick's actually uh fairly solid at that shot but it catches you 
so off guard when someone does it well because usually when you're backhand cross court dinking, the balls are a little more flat or a little bit more dead or they're just hit with backspin. So like they land and they kind of stay in place or they skid a little bit. But like yeah. you're not used to seeing a backhand dink like roll shot. So sometimes that ball just like moves like a rocket and it's like, whoa, wait, I was like not ready for it to go past me like that. And like, because it has top spin and kicks after it bounces, it just goes so far away. Like, I think it is the coolest shot in pickleball. I have seen Ben use it so many times and like just mop people up in singles with it. Mm. And I, I just, I don't know, even in doubles when it's used against me, I'm like, shoot, that was a really good shot shot okay for me um it's gonna be kind of a boring shot but the the two-handed like reset block like or half volley <sighs> dude that's actually that's another really s- second good option because colin johns patrick and i talk about this all the time literally what? people just blasting balls at him and the man's yeah. just like yeah, boom just like let me like just turn my wrist and boom like he literally looks like he's not trying he just kind of right. turns his paddle holds it there and pushes it a little yep. boom balls in the kitchen and they're at the net <laughs> yeah and he blocks it back um funny enough i was playing against my buddy alvaro shout out to alvaro and he came back with that shot and now like he used to have a one-handed one but he says since he's been playing and competing against the pros like his one-handed reset block or third shot drop is just not cutting it anymore like the pros are just hitting it so hard so fast it's so good so now he uses the two hand just for a little bit more control but now not only that he's now incorporated into his two-handed uh backhand drive so they look almost identical and i can't tell and i'm going back because oh my god he's about to blast this if i'm already at the baseline if i'm already at the kitchen then he just kind of dinks it over and like resets me and then i just i look like an idiot and i'm like damn <laughs> okay two-handed that's another i think if i was going for another one i mean i've been working on it for a while now but just a really good two-handed backhand first of all it just looks sick like all the female players i'm sorry male players but like I don't care what one-handed backhand you have. It doesn't look as cool as the female two-handed backhand. Really? Like, it's just not even <laughs> close. Yeah, I think it looks way cooler. I don't know why, but I'm like, I don't know. It just looks significantly cooler to me, and I would love to have a really solid and reliable two-handed backhand drive, like volley. Like, it just, I don't know. Two-handed backhand is sick. Hmm. Okay. All right. Well, I'm excited to see the progression you made on your two-handed backhand because when I came and played you... You know, a couple months ago, you tuned it back and it was trash. Dude, I need garbage. to go and watch the video we recorded because yeah. that will be in the video that when I finally publish this video, that's going to uh-huh. be in it. And I remember it was bad, but I don't think I don't think I think it's as bad as it was. <laughs> so I can't <laughs> wait to I can't wait to because now I, I mean, really, when I use a two handed backhand, it was so ineffective it was like maybe two out of 10 was going to be a good one. So it might, it was just a waste of time to use. And I feel like the percentage has gone way up where in singles, it's like actually a pretty good weapon. The guy I was playing today, he was like, honestly, your backhand. And it's funny. Cause I don't know that I'm good at it, but he's like, I literally don't know where you're going with that backhand until the very last second. He's like, if I plant 10% wrong, yeah, I just watched the ball go past me because I was like, I just guessed wrong. I have no idea what you're doing. So I find yeah. it funny that I'm supposedly good at disguising it, 
<laughs> I, you know, I'm sure a higher level player would think it's a joke, but at least to this other four zero four five player, he was like, I don't know. If I guess wrong, it's over. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll I'll let you know next time I see you, and I play at least for I, singles. You know, doubles. It's like I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't drive. I it, honestly, I really don't use it much. And I, what I have been using is a a two handed like third shot drop type of thing, like just top yeah. spin because normally it's just a slice. And I found that's that's been a nice shot. Like it feels good. Yeah. I wanted to ask you like what goes through your head when, I don't know, maybe you're playing against a really strong team or like, mm. I don't know how much you play mixed, but mm. like one tip, one of the first tips that I learned that I, I felt like really made, I guess like me a better player was when I played mixed, right? Normally you hit it to like the girl, right? Because typically they're the weaker player, um, at least on my uh, my return, right? Because I'm, we- I'm expecting a weak third shot back. Um, but what I learned was that you actually want to sometimes, at least most of the times now, I hit to the stronger player or to the guy on the return. Yeah. Yeah. Do yeah. you do that? I I think it's something I've been much more conscious of lately. Like specifically today, I was actually doing that. I didn't particularly notice that it was helping me. I think one thing I start thinking about now is you want to keep the better player back, but then I try and think a little bit further and go like, okay, as I've been playing them, which one of them has the better third shot drop? Because if the better player has it, they're basically guaranteed to get in, and -hmm. now they're both up there, whereas if maybe the other person's weaker or just a little bit more inconsistent... I prefer going to them in hopes that they'll just screw up or get hit a weak third. Right, exactly. So yeah, you got to kind of play the two, but those are the reasonings behind hitting it to either player, whether it's mixed or not. But yeah, see whose yeah. third shot is weaker. And then if you're getting burned by one particular person who's really aggressive at the net, like you might want to keep them back because you have that one little extra chance to you yep. know make something happen you know, by keeping them back. And typically now I hit it. I I mean, at the level that, you know, I play now and with people, everybody has a pretty good third shot drop. Like it's pretty consistent. So it almost doesn't matter who I hit it to. So at that point, I typically just hit it to the stronger player to try to keep them back for at least one more, you know, like one more second, one more moment, just to see if I can make something happen, you know? Totally, totally. What I totally had a great question I was going to ask you about. I'm totally blanking on it now. But it was something about just kind of like while you're playing, how you approach. Oh, here's it. This is it. When you're playing, and now I, I think this is a little bit more applicable and easier to understand when it's people you play regularly. But how yeah. often are you thinking about the opponent's strength that you're playing against and trying not to play into that strength? Oh, okay. Let's see. Like, I can give an example here. Uh-huh. Uh, Caleb, who I think you met, at least yeah, briefly. Yeah, yeah. He's, he has very good hands. He has very good counters. Like, it's extremely rare that I speed it up at him and win that battle. Like, yeah. I would say two or three times out of ten, I win that battle if I speed that ball up. So it's a big, and I still do it all the time, mostly just because it, since it's rec play, I'm like, I just want to try and win this battle. And, yeah. you know, maybe that's how I'll improve. But how often are you thinking about like, okay, this person seems to be good at this. How can I specifically avoid that? Uh, typically around, I would say like 50% of the time, you know, it all depends okay. on like 
what I'm trying to do. Um, if I'm really trying to beat them, you know, I'm thinking about it. If I'm not, or I want to test myself or my skills, like I yeah. will speed it up at somebody or go at somebody uh, because I want to test myself, you know? Yep. Uh, and for the most part though, like I would say, I don't think about it all like too often. Most of the times I'm thinking about my own game. I, I don't think I yeah. think about that unless I'm like competing like in a tournament. Yeah. And yeah. it's been a while. Like when I go to a tournament and compete, like my mindset shifts and it's it's different. And when I'm here playing rec, even if I'm playing like good rec games, um, my main goal is to like play more disciplined, at least as of recently is to play more disciplined because, you know, I can't get away with, you know, some crazy shots or these speed ups or whatever, but everybody's so good and I'm just getting burned for them. And I'm really focusing on like my positioning, like being at the right place and just getting the ball over. That's really what I'm focusing on. What about you? What, what do you, well, for me, I think until it's really not until just recently with Caleb that I was like, Hmm, maybe I should uh, stop playing into his literal best strength, which is his hands. Like maybe just don't speed it up, like dink until he screws up or something. So generally I'm not thinking about it too much. Um, One thing I'm curious what you think. I think I already have my answer and I, Mm -hmm. I think it's probably the correct one, but do you think it's better to try and play to your opponent's weakness or to play to your strength? Ah, okay. I have a I, ha- I have an answer for this, and obviously, the one that obviously, if you could, if it could be both, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if if you had a strength that you could pit against their weakness, that's the best. Whatever gives you the most yeah. like, gap, right? And so, I, I think a lot of rec players and people who are trying to improve, they play a lot of reactive pickleball, right? Yeah, you have to be proactive about it, and it's it's tough. You're like, how do I play proactive? Well, the easiest way. I think for you to play proactive is to first make a list of the shots you feel like you do well, pick your favorite shot. Like what is your favorite shot to do? And oh, maybe it's a winning shot. Maybe it's not right. Like, like it's, it's like some sort of like overhead smash or whatever, but whatever your favorite shot is, try to create a scenario where you get that shot more often than not. And let's just say you don't have a finishing shot, but you have a really good like third shot drop right? So now you want to like, you know, either find a partner or get a partner um, or tell your partner like, hey, this is like my best shot. And you're trying to create a game plan around that shot. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like, that's how you should go in to try and be proactive. So you're just like, like before I was just playing reactive. Like, I don't know like what strategies or what not to do. I'm kind of lost. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes I'm still kind of lost right now but there are some go-to strategies that i go for and like a shot that i look for is um an ernie on the odd side like that that area i love jumping that line so one way i i try and and make that happen is on a uh return Mm -hmm. right if i'm on the odd side and i return it i return it sometimes i try to return it deep but if i don't i'll if it's short, I try to get it to the other odd side and then I actually don't come up to the net um, or, or to the no volley zone. I actually go up like half court a little bit, right? And so they it makes them comfortable. It makes them feel like, oh, I can hit a third shot drop to this area and I have a high margin. I can get it high. He's not there yet. And then I'm waiting for it and, I, and as soon as I see it, I'm, I'm jetting there and I'm running and I'm looking for that Ernie. 
Like, and that's yeah. what I do. Now people here in Tulsa, like they don't, they do not hit into that area anymore against me. And it's, it's kind of yeah. sad, you know? <laughs> well, it's very funny to see shots as you progress that you're like, wow, this is so much fun. This works like a good percentage of the time. And then as you get better, you're like, man, that shot just doesn't work anymore. Like for, for example, the Kyle Yates with my friends that I play with regularly here, they yeah. all know I'm looking for it. Like it's so <laughs> obvious when I'm going to do it. Like if I go for it, they'll literally be like, I knew you were going to do it. Right. <laughs> just uh, so, you know, you kind of have to, some of these things become more or less effective with the Kyle Yates. I'm going to have to use mm-hmm. against people yeah, who I don't f- know me as well. I don't know. The Kyle Yates is kind of hard to do. You have to like see like a dead dink in order. You to really do, do have to see a dead dink. I, I've gotten better recently. I've kind of toned it back because I was going for, (laughs) there are some times, I think I maybe have videos of it somewhere, but I was doing, like the ball lands in the kitchen, like not even halfway into the kitchen. And I just like, for some reason, a light goes off in my brain. And it's like, yo, I'm going to Kyle Yates (laughs) the crap out of this ball. And then I Kyle Yates the ball into the net and like the bottom of the net. And all my friends are like, why? What were you thinking? Like it wasn't even close. (laughs) (laughs) So I have I have toned that down where I'm very specifically looking for much more dead dinks to do it on because again, trying to uh, not make as many errors. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Seriously, if you want to get better, like honestly, uh, like it's it's tough to say this, but like if you really want to improve, you technically have to play a little more boring. Like yeah, would you agree with that? Oh, for sure. And it's funny because I think as you get better, certain things are more or less boring. Like when you're like a three Oh, you're like dinking. Terrible. Yeah. Ew. So stupid. Why, why would I dink? And now I find it quite fun. I find dinking can be aggressive. I find like resetting and stuff can be quite a bit of fun. Like, I don't know. I just think as you progress, you're like, ah, oh, this is like a little bit more fun than I thought. Yeah. No, it's no, still no. amazing when... to like have a super fast point. Don't get yep. me wrong, but mm-hmm. everything else can be fun too. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, because once you start playing more proactive, like, you can then like almost like it almost feels like you've manipulated your opponent. And then when you, when you get that finisher or you get that smash, you get the shot that you're looking for, it feels really good. And like a quick little tip that I've learned recently, um, playing against Alvaro is that like drilling with him was that when you're dinking, you should be aiming past the kitchen line. Like I've heard that kitchen line. Yeah. Because Like, you know, if you're new out there and you're dinking and you can dink for days, you can get it in the kitchen, no problem. Now it's it's time to start dinking past the kitchen line because then you make you make it harder for your opponent because your opponent has to make a split second decision. Should I take this out of the air or should I let it bounce? And if you let it bounce, they might have to take a step back. You've gained some position, you've gained some ground, and you can try and push and press your advantage. So I would say before you start going wide, really wide, left to right, left to right, focus on putting the ball in the middle and focus on getting the ball deep in the kitchen, a little bit past the kitchen line, because if you get in the middle and you get it deep, um, you're going to make your opponents think. And the more thinking, the more like decision fatigue that you give them, the more likelihood that they're going to make a mistake and hopefully you can capitalize on it. So that's like an easy way. I think if you don't know what to do that, like, and I don't know what to do, that is my default. Like I'm getting it into the middle. So they have to make the decision. I'm pushing it back and I'm like that this is when I'm playing reactive or I don't have a game plan, you know, but hitting in the middle is 
super underrated. I'm sure this has happened to you. Like you've been in a cross court dinking rally. It just feels like it goes on forever. And then somebody speeds it up and messes it up. Right. Yeah. Typically it happens from the even side to the even side, especially in like mixed doubles, right. More most likely the weaker players or the women are typically on the, the even side and they're just going forever. So what's, what's going through their mind right now is they're trying to gain position. They're trying to push them deep, trying to create space, like, like a, an alley, right a hole in their defense so that the stronger player on the left side can come in and smash it. And they're hunting. Like, you know, so they're yeah. hunting for that ball. And then when you hit it in the middle, right, you cause confusion. And then if yep. you hit it in the middle, it's less likely that they'll give you another really wide shot. Like, yep. you know, and then that gives an opportunity for your partner to come in and hunt for something. And I honestly think if you are in the lower levels of play, um, like let's say three out of three, five, I think we, we've started joking about this uh, uh-huh. in my group, but ADM always dink middle because especially <laughs> in just <laughs> especially in just random rec play, people are so, depending on who you're playing, it doesn't happen as much the higher you go up, but people are so worried about like, oh, I took your ball or whatever. It's so like if you dink middle, you just cause a bunch of confusion. Like, are you taking that? Am I taking that? And even, even with better players, you can... You you make them make a decision. If they yes. don't have a system like Ben and Colin where they know one person's taking it, you mm-hmm. force them to go, is that your forehand or is that my backhand? Was it a little bit closer to my backhand so I should take it? Or am I expecting you to come over and take it? And you know, you can't just always dink middle literally all day yeah. long and get away with it. But you start mixing those in there and like you cause some confusion. Now like someone has to make a late decision and they pop it up and then boom, you put it away. That's right. Yep. So that's like one strategy I go into a game. If you if you are playing for the first time and you're not sure what to do, like that is one default I go to, like ADM, always dink middle or just hitting into the middle. Um, another more advanced one uh, I like to do is called crowding. I don't know if you heard about crowding, but like you probably see it all the time. You might just not know it. Do you know what that is? Maybe. Maybe. Okay. So I, are you like, talking about like where you're like, kind of crowding over to the right with your partner yeah you're crowding over but you're also like putting pressure like you're dinking cross court right and yeah. you're putting pressure on one person right and you're yeah. basically isolating them right yeah and this goes with the concept of like the positions in pick a ball which i call is like the hound and the hunter someone should always be hunting for like a finish or like an offensive attack, whether that's an attack volley or a roll or, you know, a smash or whatever it is. And the other person is kind of of resetting and trying to like create a situation where the hunter can capitalize. So imagine, uh, you and I are in a dinking cross court exchange. We're on the odd side of the court. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I'm hitting it super wide to you wide and deep trying not to give you an atp opportunity right and then i'm moving closer and closer to the to the center of the court okay Mm -hmm. and then my partner is super like close to the outside edge of the even side like he Mm -hmm. or she is essentially looking for an ernie like if you go cross if you go right in front of you like you're gonna get ernie so your only option is to keep on cross courting it with me right now if you mess up, like obviously I'm, I'm hunting for a forehand, but you can also hit it super wide back and then that can get me out of position. So the, the mind game is that I know 
because we've crowded you and I'm covering the middle that you have to hit it wide. So if I know that as soon as you put your head down and you're not looking, I'm cheating over to the other side and I'm actually looking for my own Ernie down the other way because you're trying to hit it deeper and deeper or I pressure you so much, you're hitting it so deep that you provide an ATP opportunity for me. So that is like the crowding technique. So dinking the middle and crowding are pretty much like, if I don't know what I'm going to do, those are the kind of strategies that I'm trying to like employ, at least at the higher levels of the game. Yeah, no, I dig it. I I really like that. I think it's smart. And, you know, I I think there's a lot of times when I'm like more specific strategies is something I want to start thinking about more in my game. And sometimes I feel like it's hard when you're not playing with a consistent, uh, person because it's like they aren't aware of these things like are they and that that's kind of where some of the like drilling versus rec play comes in if you're playing rec play like some of these things are just a little harder to work on because people are there to play they don't want yep. you to you know take other backhands or whatever um but yeah i i really do want to start like just being more analytical uh with my game in general but uh we're getting pretty long on this episode and I, so mm-hmm. i want to wrap up with one thing and that is basically just a shot you can all try that I think uh, is starting to change pickleball a little bit. And I uh-huh. think as time goes on, it's going to change it even more. And that is the lob. Uh, the lob is a very Highly controversial debated. shot. Yes. Yeah, it's super controversial. First of all, let me make it clear. I don't want to see any of you lobbing seniors. We all know we shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> a lot of places like literally Speak ban lobbing seniors. Yeah, <laughs> get out of here. You don't lob seniors. <laughs> you're right. Okay. I, don't. I mean, I, I might lob you because you're a younger senior citizen. <laughs> oh, <wow>. but <laughs> oh, so you just get out of here. <laughs> and it's not that hard to lob you because, I mean, you're like 5'4. So the ball oh just. Oh, my ooh, gosh. It's right over your head. <laughs> oh, I'm leaving now. But, but, but for real, the, the lob can be a, a super effective shot. It's very hard to do well. And it's a high risk, high reward because if you don't go high enough or deep enough, like you're getting an overhead back at you. And mm-hmm. my brother can tell you how many overheads he has had hit at him because of me trying to lob. You mean you he yells at tell? me all the time. <laughs> you don't even like warn your bro. He doesn't No, know. I don't say anything. And he'll even be like, dude, you should just like say you're gonna lob. And I'm like, nah, it's fine. And then he gets hit with a ball. <laughs> but so like, you know, that way it's uh, a high risk. But I think it is one of the best ways to go from like neutral or even maybe defensive, mostly neutral though, to offensive. Because if you hit a successful lob, you put your opponent so far out of position and you're almost resetting the point. Now Mm -hmm. you're at the both at the net and they have to work their way back up. And that can be a big uphill battle if they're not hitting great. Cause like if you chase down a good lob, like you're often having to turn around and like not hit an ideal shot. It's not like a normal third shot drop where you're facing forward. You're like running and turning and the, Best way I found to do it is if you lob over someone's backhand. So, like, yep. if you're on the even side and it's their odd side, like, if you lob either down the line or if you're, like, cross court, you can kind of lob over the left side person. Or if you're on the odd side, you can lob over the other person's uh, yeah, backhand. Yeah, basically lob over whoever non-dominant shoulder is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, yep. basically. Okay. This is why we have you. You simplify everything. I <laughs> yeah, say, I say thanks for like two minutes and you summarize it in like two seconds. Yeah. If, you, it's if, great. if you're in a dinking battle or whatnot and they're kind of dead or whatnot and you've kind of gotten to a rhythm and you have a really compact kind of swing. Yeah. Joe, toss in the lob. I do it all the time and it's pretty satisfying. Yeah. Like you said, you get them out of position 
and uh, they have to hit a kind of an awkward shot. They either run back and yeah. like, you know, Daniel De La Rosa it and try to smash through. Hopefully, your hands are good enough. Which and, so few people even yeah, do that. So I've been doing do. it a lot lately, and it's kind of fun. It hasn't yeah, worked no, it's so much fun yet, but <laughs> yeah, but you can get burned so heavily for it. Um, and then sometimes we'll do a third shot, and you know, you're you're right back in there. Um, but uh, if you do hit it short. And you know it, just yell short so you can let your partner know. Yeah, and know. be ready to go into defense mode. <laughs> be ready to go into defense mode. Take a step back, get low, put your paddle down, and just lift it back. Try to get in the point, you know? Well, and, you know, if you hit a decent-ish enough lob, even if they get to hit an overhead, because this happens to me a fair amount, is, like, you're running backwards. Like, you're not hitting a great overhead. Yeah. So it's like you – even if they hit an overhead, sometimes it's not a great one, and you're still, like, pretty in the point – so I think that's a thing to keep in mind. But I would definitely try mixing it in. There are a lot of people, and I, I'd be curious to know what you think, because yeah. there are a lot of people who get really angry about the lob. They're like, oh, my gosh, the only way this person can win is by lobbing me. And it reminds me of the spin serve, where people are like, Ugh, the only thing you have is a spin serve or a lob. And I'm like, here's the thing. First of all, a lob isn't even like a spin serve. It's a completely legal shot. It, like, yeah. if it works and I keep beating you with it, you need to play better. And it's a, let, let's just assume it's a tournament. We're going to take out rec play. We're going to take uh -huh. out seniors. Like We'll eliminate all of that. I'm there to win. I don't care what it takes to win. If you can't return it, yeah. <laughs> GG, Lob man. City, yo. Lobster day. <laughs> uh, Lobster. How, okay, how do you feel about this? What, yeah. It's a sunny day. Sun is literally right oh, above no, your I'm, head. I'm lobbing all day. Do you, do you feel no sympathy? No, no sympathy at all. This is part of the game. Like this part of the environment. See, that's I'm how taking I advantage. feel. Yeah, that's how I feel. But I feel like a lot of people are like, "Oh, that's cheap. Like you shouldn't win that way." But I'm like, it just feels tactical. If you yeah, can no, hit the tactical. shot, like yeah. I, I'm not saying it's great that I, if, you know, if someone does it to me, I'm gonna hate looking into the sun. Yeah. But if you can do it. Well, then I guess, it, I don't know, it's just a good shot. Yeah, no, it's problem solving at its finest. Like, if you can't handle it, you can't figure a way to, you know, defend against it or, I don't know, use your other hand to block the sun as you see the ball coming down, put on some sunglasses, like, you know what I'm saying? Do what you got to do to make it happen, yep. right? No, it's all part of the game, part of gamemanship. You know, people get pissed about gamemanship, but as long as it's within the rules, I have no problem with it. If I get lobbed, yo, yo props to that person. I know that person's here to win. And, uh, you yeah. know, I can respect that. Bottom well, line. especially something like a lob. I'm like, okay. Yeah, a, lob, a spin like serve, I'm like, okay, if you want to be mad about it, yeah, I yeah, get yeah. it. It's not a normal part of the game. But a lob is just like, you're not going to outlaw lobs. Yeah, no, exactly. Like, <laughs> come on, outlaw hey, lobs hey, is hey, absurd. No, 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 no. Here's a, here's a funny thing. Someone legitimately proposed a rule change. Like, you can find no. this rule change somewhere. They literally said something like, if you do a third shot lob, you should. I, it was something to the effect of you should lose the point or the point has to be replayed. Who? And I was like, what? I was like, that. I don't know. But I, immediately. <laughs> I wish I knew who it was because I was like, what? <laughs> Banning a third shot lob. Like, get out of here. <laughs> and this guy or girl, whoever it is, the saltiest person. How many times they get lobbed? That's what I want to yeah, know. Seriously. Who hurt yeah, seriously. Who hurt you? Who hurt you? <laughs> yes but yeah that is uh that's this episode we you know we hope you guys enjoyed it we heard you wanted some pickleball tips so hopefully 
This was entertaining and provided some value. Uh, if you guys enjoyed this uh, podcast, we would love it if you would give us a rating on iTunes or Spotify now that we've had a couple episodes. Yeah, five stars would be super ideal. But, you know, if you feel uh, one star is all we deserve, I'd honestly love to know why you thought <laughs> we only deserved one star. I'm Seriously, if someone out there thinks we deserve one star, go ahead and leave that review if you actually feel that way don't do it just for the sake of doing it but haters go hate. I'd like yeah yeah like give me a reason why but the, the but yeah, reason no, is because you spin serve them off the court that's probably why <laughs> that's probably or you lob it's them. a bunch of spin serve haters <laughs> yeah that or you did a spin serve lob <laughs> you combined them both oh gosh <laughs> I even want to but yeah about that but yeah this was a this is a fun episode man I'm, I'm looking forward to doing more of these have fun on uh, your vacation I mean you'll be halfway through the vacation by the time mm-hmm. that people see this but you know people don't have to know that <laughs> <laughs> you right you right yeah man yeah. thanks appreciate it good episode yeah I'll catch you next time yep later guys <laughs> <laughs>